Good morning, everyone. I'm Mel. And I'm Pippa. We're the creators and editors of Earthrise, the podcast and platform that focuses on the connection between human rights and environmental issues. Just a quick message before we begin. The views and research presented on this podcast are either our own or referenced on our website, www.earthrights.co.uk. We generally always record a few weeks ahead of release, so some facts or situations may have changed during this time. Today we're going to be talking to Phil Sis, who is currently studying for his legal practice course at BPP Law and who has conducted extensive research into the human rights issues that Roma people across the world are facing, but specifically in the Czech Republic. Yeah, Mel, do you want to say how you met Phil? Yeah, so I met Phil and I both went to the University of Nottingham to study law together, boo and woo. <laughs> um, and we've done a, a few projects together, particularly working at the Human Rights Law Centre. And I was lucky enough to work with Phil on the annual Human Rights Conference. So we um, together, yeah, organised the annual conference for the Human Rights Law Centre. And yeah, ended up both going to Prague as well. But um, I guess for Phil, that was... Um, um maybe a more personal pursuit and for me I was just very lucky to go and that's where we both met Pippa. Yeah so then I met Phil through um my accommodation in Prague and Phil actually introduced me to Mel so it's kind of a very cyclical connection (laughs) which is nice. You know what I can't even remember that actually but I remember all of us meeting uh somewhere in law school or in the halls and it all seems such a long time ago now really. Yeah it's um... crazy looking back. (laughs) To begin with Phil can you kind of tell us a bit about yourself a bit of background and why you chose to focus on Roma rights in your research? Oh well, it's it's both the personal and the academic and also the sense that there is just this creeping injustice across Europe that is not talked about. Uh, so for people who don't know, Romani people, uh, travellers and all the subgroups um, that are often referred to as gypsies um, make up 10 to 12 million people in Europe. So we're the largest minority in Europe. But that minority is actively segregated discriminated against subject to some of the most you know medieval standard racism that you could see in modern europe and it's shocking um so my my background is that i'm i'm roma myself i was born in prague um i was adopted and then i i grew up and was educated in in the united kingdom walking down the street as a kid i'm just a uh, a white guy, you know, with a slightly cool tan that people might think I've got some Mediterranean heritage. But in, in Prague, when I step onto a tram on those cobbled streets, it suddenly changes. And from the age of about 15, people treated me differently when I was in Prague. And I didn't really know what it was. And then I wanted to find out. I wanted to find out more about my background. I wanted to find out where I came from. I always knew I was Roma but I never really experienced why people would treat me so negatively when I was in Prague. So, you know, I, I wanted to research more and that obviously cultivated a interest in human rights. And then when I got to do my dissertation at uni, I went full blown uh, Roma rights into um, looking at the segregation of Roma children in, in um, in the Czech Republic in schools. And um, that is something that is still a, a, um, a passion of mine um, to pursue uh, opening up the public consciousness of segregation of Roma children in school, but also just a wider um, appreciation of the Roma people, where they come from, um, and um, hopefully cultivating some sort of activism that we can all share. So yeah, that's my, that's, that's my uh, background really. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Phil, just going back to what you said about Prague, how many times had you um, gone to sort of revisit family members um, in Prague before you went and studied there? So um, we were incredibly close to my uh, granddad in the Czech Republic um, and uh, we went every summer. We used to spend a good chunk of the summer holidays uh, visiting him. We used to go visit places in the Czech Republic um, and... um, yeah, uh, it's it's always been a feature. 
um, of my life there. Um, I, as soon as this lockdown is is over, I want to go back and uh, visit family. So, um, yeah, it's it's always it's always been part of my life. Um, mm. My adopted father is is Czech anyway, so it's sort of we've got this Czechness in the household uh, on on the repeat, as it were. Um, so um, no, I actually really like the Czech Republic. There's a there's things there that need need to change drastically, but as a country once you get to know the people it's an incredible place yeah so maybe we can take a step back in time and have a look at Czech Republic and a bit of its mm. history and how Romani communities have been treated along the way um, because I think they've had the rubbish time throughout the 21st century particularly um, mm. but I mean so has Czech Republic itself um, I remember I was a little bit nervous to arrive in Prague it, it was quickly apparent that people were very sort of kept themselves to themselves, very nationalist, like quite wary of foreigners. Well, that was my perception anyway. But then when I thought about it, it was very apparent that the Czech history had been so convoluted. So, I mean, at the start, can I say that Czechoslovakia was first established after World War One? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah, yeah 1918. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so after, because it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, wasn't it, but before that? Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. And then in the lead up to World War II, um, when the Jewish population was being persecuted by the Nazis, it'd be fair to say that the Roma population was also experiencing mm. the same thing and obviously many other um, minority groups. Um, and actually, Phil... You, you were part of the Holocaust Memorial Service um, just the other week um, mm. for for exactly that purpose to like um, make sure that people realised that Roma also experienced the persecution. Um, but do you want to just tell us a little bit more as well about sort of ha what happened after World War II um, when... Czechoslovakia became part of the Soviet Union, how Romani people were treated during mm. that period. Sure, yeah. I mean, as you as you said, Mel, the Czech Republic has got and Czechoslovakia as it as it was, um, has quite a traumatic history, I would say, for a new country established in 1993 when it's split from Slovakia. Um, the Czech Republic has had quite a lot going on. They what many people don't know is that the, the communists essentially infiltrated themselves into the government and then caused a coup um, mm. in the late 40s and thousands of political dissidents were arrested hundreds were put to death so but at the backdrop of that trauma you've got the romani people who have always been there mostly mm. came from slovakia actually but they were always there and during the holocaust they were one of the most disproportionately decimated groups, as it were. Um, it, it, you know, and often that Holocaust is forgotten of the of the Roma, um, and it was, you know, a fact that many people are shocked by is that it was only until 1982 uh, that Germany actually accepted that um, the Romani uh, Holocaust um, officially happened. Um, no one knows how many Romani people also. Also died, but with that with that backdrop, you had Romani people coming into northern Bohemia in the Czech Republic. Um, um, in the Sudetenland, there was mass expulsion of German Czechs into West Germany, and that left a lot of jobs open, a lot of industry which needed to be worked. And Romani people wanted to come from Slovakia, where their conditions were awful, more awful than uh, maybe some Romani experiencing today. And I say that with caution. And uh, they wanted to work there, live there, but there were problems as soon as they arrived in Northern Bohemia. Um, the communists wanted to forcibly assimilate. So that means to, to stop the nomadic lifestyle of Romani people and get them to, to stay in houses or the accommodation provided by the council and force them to stay. And that caused social problems and it it, it it produced policy which has had a, a huge impact on the way that Romani people are viewed in Central and Eastern Europe, especially in Czech Republic. When you call the um, 
Romani population of a gypsy problem, it, it does something to the majority population. Suddenly a whole people group is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stereotypes that are still present today that Roma people are work shy and that they don't want to assimilate and they don't want to understand or speak the language of the majority or they don't want to be educated. That all came from this communist um, ordinance of Romani people, the forced forced assimilation. Um, And you you hear those stereotypes even coming from the president of the Czech Republic now. Um, He said um, Roma people are inadaptable and work shy. And um, it's shocking that a president would say that, but he yeah. has said it. And it's simply untrue. And what did Romani people do to respond? They sent pictures of themselves at work all across Europe. They made a little collage and they put it all online and there was a massive response. It's just untrue. So mm-hmm. sadly, after World War II, there, there's, there has been problems which have uh, filtered down into the mainstream and causes problems to these to this day so yeah i i also read there was no non-consensual sterilization of roma Mm. women during the soviet period and there was a sort of little tack on that it could also well still happen and by discriminating a group against a group anyway you're going like there are things that happen sort of outside the radar of the common system and mean Mm. that stuff happens without proper regulation and stuff but that just sounded Sounds absolutely vile. Um, it sounds brutal, doesn't it? It's yeah. people don't believe it, and this was not just Soviet era. It was going on until the early two thousands. Wow. It's currently still being litigated, I believe, um, because the Constitutional Court in the Czech Republic decided it wasn't. It wasn't uh, the women weren't due compensation. What? Uh, yes, um, I. Yeah, it's 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 pretty. When you tell people this. And you tell you tell them stories that Romani people have put into the mainstream media or are known in the community. Stories of women going in for a a uh, a birth to mm. give birth, and then suddenly finding out that being sterilised. It's sort of Nazi. It's sort of like yeah. a Nazi era mm. policy. Um, so. No, it, it has happened, and things like this continue to happen. The sterilization is not as much as a problem anymore, but in terms of health, health, healthcare, Romani people uh, are still having problems accessing healthcare, even during this time, during COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. People won't treat them, and it's because of the way they look. It's because of the perception that we've just talked about that comes from, you know, after World War II, when... Uh, Romani people were deemed to be um, backward, inadaptable, antisocial, don't want to work. And this has caused this massive mainstream hatred. Mm-hmm. And it is hatred. You don't mm-hmm. sterilise someone if you like them. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just so shocking for, I think a lot of listeners will be really shocked to hear this because I think it's not something that's talked about enough, but it's also just not something you expect to happen, you know, like Mm. in a country that's in the EU, it's baffling and terrifying that this Mm. is kind of going on like in plain, in plain sight. Mm. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I I sometimes have to step back and think to myself, am I in 21st century Europe? Because the way that people sometimes are treated and I, I have seen various, you know, I say trivial, but in comparison to sterilization, you know, some of the things I've experienced, for example, are, are trivial, but you have to really think to yourself sometimes, am I, have I just jumped back in time when mm. everyone who wasn't white was some sort of pariah? I, it's just, um, I mean, the EU and the Council of Europe have, have tried their best in terms of enforcing leg- uh, legislation and uh, um, cases that have come to their courts um, to better the human rights position of Romani people. But at the, end, at the end of the day, if the government does not want to act or doesn't prioritise it, then there's little that they can do. It's, it's soft power. Um, I mean, the European, I'll give you an example. The European Union are still in conversation with uh, the Czech government over the segregation of Romani children in schools. 
um, that's still have, <laughs> there's still conversation. I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but there's been little action <laughs> since mm-hmm. those conversations. So it's it's a slow process, and it's uh, it, I think I think coverage is part of the problem. There's not enough coverage of of these issues. What other um, discrimination that Roma people see today? Um, well, you've got housing discrimination is is a massive issue. Um, you know, perfectly respectable Romani people who who um, you know smash all of these myths about um, about not having a job or not being educated. They're not getting accommodation in Prague. They're not getting accommodation where they live from the council if they've got. A, um, a small family um stuff like um you know you, there's certain roman names surnames in uh, which are recognizable to some people i don't know all the romany uh surnames um but somehow you know it's people who want to be racist put in the effort so uh, <laughs> i don't understand why um why how how they know that but don't understand the plight of roma but anyway what happens is that they look at the surname and decide what you look like and whether they want to offer you housing or a job. So there was an example in the Czech Republic of of a celebrity. Um, I think his name was Jan Tina, and he's from a Romani um, Asian background. And uh, he's quite well known, but because of his surname, the seller of a house did not want to sell to him. Um, and I don't know, it, it, it's just no one can escape, even mm-hmm. if you're Roma and you've done incredibly well for yourself and you're you're in the public consciousness, you're on TV, in theatre, it's your surname and people are going to make judgments. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, and there was one case that came up on my course while we were in Prague and I'll I'll try and pronounce it properly. <laughs> um, it was all centered around Mat- Matichny Street. Yeah. Um, and like we were learning about it in the context of positive discrimination. And it was the first time I'd kind of come across that slightly paradoxical phrase. Mm. Um, and obviously f- um, what the, the situation that actually happened at Matichny Street was ended up being very discriminatory. Um, and I just wondered whether you could like go into that a little bit in a little bit more detail. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so this uh, this Matichny Street is a um, is a street in a city called Usti Nadlabem, which is in northern Bohemia, and essentially, um, white um, majority Czech house owners on one side of the street resented the fact that there were um, Roma council buildings that were occupied nearly 100% by Romani uh, inhabitants. Now these these buildings are some of the most shocking conditions you can see. Um, hardly any running water, um, shared facilities on whole floors, you've got babies living there. It's not a nice place to live but a, a lot of Romani people on that street had no other choice. Mm. Um, and the white house owners on the other side resented this and they petitioned the local authorities to build a wall between um them and uh and and these uh romani inhabited council buildings uh with one gate so romani people could access the end of the street and walk out to their jobs or wherever they were going so you had physical segregation here um you know we last year we were talking about you know, building a wall and uh, with Trump and, you know, but imagine that on a minute scale, but mm. because people don't want to see Romani people because they don't like them of a deep-seated prejudice, they don't understand their position, they don't want to see them or even, uh, you know, because they feel like they're, they're just mud on their shoe, they want a, a wall built. And so the wall was built. And it became kind of an embarrassment for the Czech Republic. The BBC um, did a report on it. Mainstream media actually picked up on it for uh, for once for a main uh, mainstream coverage. Um, 
And it was embarrassing because the Czech Republic actually wanted to join the European Union at the time. Um, so Václav Havel, this great human rights president that most people will know, signatory of Charter 77, human rights juggernauts. You know, it was only then that he acted. It was only then when the risk of the EU um, not accepting the Czech Republic's application is then when he acted and the wall was brought down. But then what happened afterwards was a joke as well. The, the local authority bought all of the white owners' houses because they were still unhappy and essentially deserted the street, left the Roma there to fend for themselves. And nowadays it's a street which is no inhabitants whatsoever. They've, they're going to plan to pull down this street with all the buildings on it because it's so dilapidated. And it's just a very sad image and symbol of failed race relations in the Czech Republic. And it's, yeah. it's, it's there for everyone to see. And it's incredibly sad. So, Phil, have you um, any personal experiences of racism and discrimination? Uh, yeah, I, I, I unfortunately do. Um, I'm fortunate enough not to have some of the horror stories that I've, um, I've um, heard over the years, and I haven't been subject to physical attack, um, which is fortunate. But I'll give you an example. When we were studying in Prague, we were living uh, for 10 months in Prague, and it was fascinating for me because I actually wanted to experience how, as a Roma man, I would be received living there. And uh, <laughs> I, it, I, I think one episode really speaks to some of the, uh, the ingrained prejudice that people still have in the Czech Republic um, surrounding Romani people. I walked into a shop which will remain which will remain unnamed, and it was in Namesti Republiky, which is one of the main squares in in Prague and the main shopping area. And um, I was getting a hat and scarf because stupidly in the winter of Prague I hadn't got one, and I was walking around with my with my uh, soon to be purchased items, and I just noticed this bodyguard just wandering around clearly following me through the aisles checking whether you know I disturbed any of the rails and checking whether I hadn't taken you know some of the things and I was going to the queue and he tapped me on the shoulder and said chlapper which means kind of boy can you pay for these items and I looked at him thinking to myself I'm not going to get let you get away with this. So I said to him very loudly in the shop where there were other people of colour from probably all different type, uh, types of backgrounds and all parts of the world, said to him loudly in Czech, do you want to say that again, but just a bit louder so everyone can hear? Because it shocked me that he racially profiled me, thought I couldn't afford the items in my hand and therefore felt that he was entitled to confront me. Now, if that's not white privilege, I really don't know what it is, but it's um, it was so shocking to me that um, it, it was upsetting. I, I went back and cried because I thought to myself, what has happened to a country that I actually really love? It was quite it was quite a moment for me, actually. And it might sound like sort of over the top compared to other experiences that many people have. But I couldn't help just sit back in my chair and go, wow, that 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 happened and there are other things like I would walk onto a bus where no one is going to be checked for their tickets um, and once I get on uh, a, a ticket inspector will make the effort from going from one end of sometimes quite long buses all the way to the back just to go and check my ticket so confident that I probably didn't have a ticket because of the way I looked or because of his perceived perception of Romani people mm. um, and it may sound like a joke but as the, as the summers in Prague got hotter and I got more of a tan, you could track how many times I was checked on a bus. It increased and increased and increased. And I, in my head, I called it the inspector game. And they had to, they had to beat my record time of when they would in, inspect me. Some guy got 3.5 seconds. And I told him gleefully that he'd beaten all the other records that day. Um, but, but again, just another example of everyday sort of prejudice every day you know chiseling away 
at, at humanity and it was just it was Person. hurtful but yeah it was hurtful but it was it just shows the endemic problem like I'm I'm really sorry you experienced that Phil um and I remember when I first got to Prague and lived with my now what I would call, consider my older sister Marquetta um <laughs> but she um I'd never really been exposed to uh, the the situation of discrimination of Romani people in um, Czech Republic and she made it very clear to me very quickly um, the situation and um, there, there would be times where she, she'd say to me like oh Mel I'm just going to go um, to the doctors and I just think oh well, like, is everything okay and she said yeah well I, I need to go and help my friend who's of the Roma community and um, I need to attend the hospital with her um, because she can't, she's not going to be able to communicate with the doctor and the doctor isn't going to, won't see her by herself. So, and I was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, yeah, the, the healthcare system doesn't um, support the Romani people and I need to basically be her A translator and B, book the appointment so that the, the hospital will agree to essentially see me and then I'll just nip her in at the same time so that she can still be um checked over and I just thought like what the hell like you, you, how can you how can you be deciding which person to see in a in a hospital <laughs> um yeah so yeah, yeah I'm I'm not surprised it's yeah the healthcare inequality especially now is so obvious for everyone to see I mean even in this country in the UK you've got um, stories of ambulances refusing to go into traveller sites because they're supposedly scared. I don't know what they're scared of, but it's their job. You should go into traveller sites, whoever that is, and and treat the person who might have COVID or um, get them as soon as possible to the emergency, uh, emergency rooms. It's um, There's some sort of myth that Roma people are either unclean with still stuff from the hospital or or I don't know, will um, take drugs. I mean, it's some of it's ridiculous. Some of it's just pure racism and it's nothing but that. Yeah, I think we should come back to that at the end as well. Mm. And like, um, we'll, we should hopefully give some suggestions to people on how to sort of break down those barriers and total misconceptions of um, mm. people. Yes, yeah. definitely. And I think it's like important to highlight as well the impact that COVID has had in kind of like further ingraining these inequalities. And we touched on it in episode eight of season one of the podcast where we talked on where we Mel and I discussed um the ethical recovery from the pandemic. But yeah, I think it's like a really awful aspect of humanity that kind of inner pandemic rather than like helping those most in need, like the response sometimes is to push that away even further. Also, I just wanted to learn a bit more about the educational segregation that you touched on, um, which I think is equally as shocking to the health um, segregation. Yeah, if you could just tell us a bit more about that. Yes, so... Um... I, the research I conducted in Prague and then wrote up in the University of Nottingham and partly researched in um, at Charles University where all three of us went. Where can people um, read or purchase your paper? So um, it's completely free. I'm not profiting from it at all. Um, it, there's a link in the uh, description of the podcast. So please check it out. It was on the educational segregation of Romani children so it, again it's shocking to actually read that children are physically separated um, from their white majority counterparts still today it, it, it gives you images of 1950s early 1960s America where um, people of colour were actively segregated mm -hmm. in the public school system in America and um, it's the same in the Czech Republic, unfortunately. Um, and there was this one case, which was so important when we look back at it, where um, a group of 18 Roma school children and their representatives said enough was enough. We want to 
litigate with the help of uh, the European Roma Rights uh, Centre and the Open Society Justice Initiative um, to declare that this practice of segregating Romani children is illegal, it's unlawful, it shouldn't be happening in modern day Europe. So when people ask me, Philip, what, what does segregation in education look like? Well, you've got different schools for different people in the Czech Republic. You've also got segregation within the classroom. So you might get different classes for more focused groups, but that would be code word for let's put all the Romani children into one class. Or you might have an integrated school, but have like an annex at the back of the school or shed where you just put all the Romani children. And this doesn't happen just in the Czech Republic, it happens Slovakia, Romania, Hungary. It's, it's a Central Eastern European, South Eastern European, and like, I don't want to use the pun, but like a pandemic, it just happens. And uh, it's still happening today. Can um, I, sorry, can I just ask one question? Um, yeah. And this, this might be really naive, but how come, or is there a, is there a basic reason why um, there's more segregation occurring in Central and Eastern Europe than there is, say, um, well, going by what you said before with Pippa and I, but in comparison to, say, the UK? Mm. I th there's just more Romani people, I think. And there's there's Roman there's a massive Romani contingent in Central Eastern Europe. I believe the majority of Romani people live there. Um, there's also a historic, uh, you know, animosity towards to, towards Romani people that maybe in the UK isn't as strong. There is certainly othering of travellers and Romani people in the UK. Um, and there is sort of an attempt to, um, you know, destroy the traveler way of life and the nomadic lifestyle. Um, but I, I would say that in Central Eastern Europe, the, the ingrained nature of, of prejudice maybe is stronger. But that's comparing different types of prejudice and different countries' reaction to, to Roma uh, and travelers is, is difficult. Um, yeah, I think it's a historic issue. I think, I, it, it, you know, in, in Central Eastern Europe, you would often hear the phrase um, Sikansky or, or, or Romsky Jetty. And that, that, that means Roma children or gypsy children. But it is also a descriptive way of describing someone who's some child who's a bit wild, a bit unruly. So you've got that language also in Central and Eastern Europe, which describes unruliness, um, inadaptability and then linking it back to children and then people are thinking mm, is it best for our children to be mixed with those sorts of children and it sounds so horrible to say but it is it, it I mean there's no other way to explain why a school system would be segregated unless there wasn't wasn't a majority view that Romani children were somehow different than majority school children so there are differences, but, you know, discrimination is discrimination. So um, if it's happening to children in, in the UK, that should be called out and dealt with. And if it's happening to children in the Czech Republic, it should also be called out and dealt with. But the, the history and the difference of racism and how it's manifest is, is, is different and needs analysing as well. You just it just made me think of something because what you were just saying like a minute ago about um the traveler lifestyle and that um and the nomadic lifestyle mm. some white people have opted for a similar mm. style of life but in my mind this over media especially social media is often championed um right. mm. and like people have ended up facilitating that way of life through sponsorships and selling things on Instagram or something and obviously I don't know it just um it kind of said something just then because how like how are people discriminating against one like the basically the same way of life but for white people it's essentially championed and for Romani people it's yeah. a very interesting point I think it's all it's I look at that and think to myself well two feelings you can do what you like Whatever I think about your, you know, what you want to do, whether you want to grow organic vegetables and live in a shed, 
and you know travel <laughs> traveling around in you can do what you like but also <laughs> it's you need to be careful that it's not culturally appropriating someone's mm. lifestyle um i'm sure the man bun clad white person who wants to grow organic vegetables in an allotment is not doing anything wrong i'm not talking about those sorts of people who want to you know better the world and have a more organic lifestyle i'm talking about people who maybe use the word gypsy as a um as a, as a way of describing their lifestyle or you go on instagram and you see uh, like sort of the word bohemian gypsy style coming from influencers mm. and i'm thinking to myself well i'm a kind of like a bohemian gypsy but i don't look like that and it's just very it, it, it you have to laugh sometimes but there's a serious undertone to it as well where people are describing themselves as gypsy lifestyle or bohemian chic whatever and they don't understand that when they use that word people have actually been killed because they they describe themselves as roma or gypsy or traveler it happens mm -hmm. it's not something to be thrown about either but if people want to live you know organically that's fine but there needs to be sort of um understanding that when you use words and when you use something to describe your lifestyle you need to educate yourself about it as well yeah i mean could you could you help um like define and determine what sorts of terms people should use and like their the origins of the the terms that have been used and the sort of ignorance surrounding them sure so uh, i i'm cautious about saying this word but you know i've got the roma card so i feel like i can and um <laughs> you you've got the phrase gypsy and a lot of roma people roma and travelers will find that offensive some won't some will be like yes we should empower ourselves because you know we need to take the power back and you know all power to them and that's that's fantastic but a lot of roma and travelers will find the word gypsy offensive but it's still mainstream now the word gypsy comes from the misconception that romani people came from egypt and then gypsy became gitanos and then gitanos became gypsy and you got the normal verbiage that you that you use nowadays and it it comes from this perception literally a medieval perception because that's when romani people started to really become part of the consciousness in Europe, um, that um, that we came from Egypt. Not only is that wrong, it's kind of it's kind of ignorant as well, and it's uh, I I find I find it not comfortable to hear. People say it by mistake, and people need to learn about it because I, I believe that most people who use the word gypsy don't mean to cause offence. They just don't know any better. Mm. but uh, you know recently this 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 whole word about gypsy and what what terms you should use for the roman community got blown up in a german talk show um which went viral on twitter and um and the celebrity panel in germany which were all white um uh, white celebrity talk show hosts um and commentators decided that the german term for gypsy which is zigoina was absolutely fine to use, even though they had no Romani person on the panel. Um, and this caused a massive outrage because the term for gypsy in German, Zigoina, sparks sort of connotations of Romani people wearing the Z on their arms in Auschwitz and other concentration camps. And Germans know what it means. Germans are very conscious of their history. Mm. Um, they know what a Z on the arm means. And to say that is 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 quite offensive and then in central eastern europe you've got sort of a rough translation of gypsy is sikan and um or in romania that's sikan is czech i believe in romania it's tikan which is similar and this has connotations with slavery so romani people were actually enslaved physical enslavement in europe in romania a lot of people don't know that so it goes back to that it goes back to othering um, describing someone as dirty has connotations with that stealing theft but the, the phrase sikan is very very um widely used in central eastern europe in different in different connotations romani people call themselves rom as a man or romni as a woman there is no equivalent of gypsy in romanas which is uh, 
the different dialects or um, of Romani. Um, there's no there's no word for gypsy. So gypsy is is a term used by people not of the community to describe us, and it's derogatory. So my message is: stop using it. Call people Romani to describe them, or Roma as the plural. Um, and I think I think that's a massive step because language is part of the structure of oppression, and um, it, it simply needs to change. And it's all about education. And I think that's uh, that's one of the main the main issues here. Yeah, I think that's such a good point, Phil, and really well said because I think it's been a recurring theme on the podcast to talk about language and like the importance of our language choices and like it, it's really it's a, the first step in kind of like moving away from this discrimination is like is just taking the time to consider the right language that we should be using and mm. I think that people might just not have considered the like offensive nature of using the term gypsy but like I hope that from listening to this um it gives people a bit of food for thought I guess and just like shows that yeah you shouldn't use terms lightly you should kind of make sure you understand what you're talking about there's so many subgroups of roma and travelers there's you know we've got such a rich diverse history there's manouche there's kale there's um sinti there's roma and there's um gitanos they call themselves in spain and it's a diverse group of people that we have that call themselves romani and in 1971, we're coming up to the anniversary of the first World Romani Congress, which was held in London. Um, the term Roma was adopted by representatives of nearly all of those subgroups to describe themselves, Romani and Roma. So it's if you have doubts about what to use, it's definitely those words. Use them. <laughs> Just to sort of like round things off and going forward, in your lifetime, Phil, what do you kind of hope to and want to see happen and change? I mean, I, I've talked about sort of the desegregation of schools and educational quality, and that that for me is an, an incredibly important thing. Um, you know, Victor Hugo once said that if you open the school door, you close a prison, and I, I really think that for the Roma community, this could be one of the keys to equality, but the door is very much still shut in people's faces. And if we can equalize education properly across Central Eastern Europe, all across Europe, everywhere, I think that's an incredibly powerful thing that can happen for the Roma community. Um, and, you know, I've seen it in Prague, R Roma children, I mean, I might be biased here, are some of the most creative, intelligent kids they're bilingual by the age of probably three they've got i've seen in in Kladno when i was visiting for my research um people in need is a charity had a um had a uh, sort of like crash youth center and you've got all of these drawings these bilingual posters roma children are children just remove the word roma and they're just children and people really need to understand that in Central Eastern Europe. And these children want to be part of society. They want to learn and they want to be the best that they can. And the parents also. I've met Roma parents who want the best for their kids. They will travel to other countries so their kids can have an education. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when people say they don't want to be educated, that's just, you know, an abusive lie because it's just not true. So I want education. I want education for Roma and traveller people to be of an equal standard. Um, in terms of politics, I would like to see Roma MPs in this country and in the Czech Republic, more of them being um, uh, voted in and representing Roma communities. I would love to have an Obama moment for the Roma community where we had like a, a Roma president in the Czech Republic. I would love that one day. I think, unfortunately, we're a bit far from that, but one day it might happen, um, maybe in my lifetime. Um, but also, lastly, just mainstream media coverage and positive depictions of Romani and traveller communities. Um, stuff like big fat gypsy wedding should make us cringe. It mm -hmm. really should. Firstly, mm -hmm. the verbiage of, of gypsy should be problematic. And the fact that you're sort of, you know, 
trivializing Roma Roma communities into some sort of reality show is really quite troubling to me. Um, we should look back on that and cringe because it's honestly some of the most effective things I have ever watched on TV. Um, you know, and getting Roma in the room, getting mm. Roma people to write about their experiences, get Roma people to write about the Holocaust and their, what happened to their families, get Roma people to come on to talk shows and talk about what is happening to the community. You've got, um, you've got so many things to talk about that need to be put out into the open. And I, the media at the minute is failing Roma and traveller communities because we've talked about some of the most shocking human rights abuses that are happening in Europe at the minute. And there's just simply not enough coverage of it. People should be opening up the Guardian and the Times and, uh, you know, papers in, in Germany and all across Europe and the Czech Republic reading this and going, what is this happening in my country? I want people to look at that and be embarrassed. But I want I want people to learn as well, and because you know, ending racism is not just just one person's problem; it's everyone's problem. Yeah, and would would you say as well, like not only having coverage? Well, I mean, this is an obvious point, maybe, but not only having coverage of the human rights abuses, but also having coverage of um, Roma doing well, Roma mm. people in in the limelight, and like therefore um, giving across an image of success that white people have been able to benefit from for so long because I think that's along with language that's part of where the stigma lies is that obviously if you're if you're Mm. misrepresented in the media people are going to take that as fact stupidly perhaps but um, yeah then then the problem isn't going to go away and I mean, on that basis, I, um, we spoke about this a little bit before, but in terms of perpetuating the problem, I wondered whether there were any sort of changes that listeners, you could suggest listeners make. A lot of people very wrongly stigmatise Roma um, communities as as communities that drop litter or are criminals or that people just blame and shame whoever they w- want to rather than trying to understand like the more structural challenges that Roma and other ethnic minorities face. Um, but I wondered like whether you had some suggestions. Um, yeah, I mean, often it's interesting you bring up litter, um, especially because there, about a year ago we uh, there were um, travellers who pitched up their caravans close to um, a pub I used to work at. And some of the comments that <laughs> came through from colleagues, um, I felt like undercover Roma, to be honest, um, that came through from colleagues were stuff like, oh, gosh, they're here again. It's going to be a mess in the field. And I was thinking to myself, OK, well, let's test this. They were there for a week and they, because of their nomadic lifestyle, they went on. They were going to these stopping places that uh, traveller people and Roman people call. There was no mess in that field whatsoever. In fact, the bin was very well utilised and it was kept very clean and that it was even a spare bin liner put by the side of it so someone didn't have to spend their own money replacing it. Um, so it's just a complete myth. People need to step back and think, would I say this about any other race? And think to themselves, is it acceptable to say about Roma and traveller people? If the answer is no, don't do it. <laughs> You know, if you're going to be called out for racism, if you're if you're suggesting those sorts of things for other races and other groups of people, don't do it for Roma people. It's a really basic thing, but people just it's some it's some sort of unknown, but also widely accepted prejudice across mm-hmm. Europe where it's OK just to say these things, um, you know, and I think it's, you know, I, I keep on saying this, but education is not just key for Roma people, but it's also key for majority population people as well. Because if you learn about Roma people in school and traveller communities and then what they're really about and their struggles and and their rich history, you wouldn't be saying these things. I'm confident of that. Um, so there needs to be better education. Um, if you see someone from any community littering, tell them to pick it up. It's just... You know, if you see someone with an Irish accent who you think is traveller, Irish traveller, and you see them littering, go up to them and ask them to pick it up and put it in the bin, not because they're a traveller, 
but because they're endangering the environment. That's that that should be the thought process. Don't other someone before you get to know them. Don't act inhuman because someone is of a different ethnicity to you. These are really basic things, but somehow there's a, there's an exception for Roma and traveller people, and it's it's just simply got to stop. So yeah, as as well as um, as changing your language, so converting Gypsy into Romani. Um, there are other things like spreading the word about the existence of us Roma. You know, there are communities springing up in the UK which have previously travelled from the EU for a better life. And it, an example is Sheffield. Um, and I remember one time there was a journalist, uh, I believe it was to Channel 4, wanted to investigate allegations from white neighbours that uh, Roma people were being unruly. But her, but her report changed because she found out who these people were they, she spoke to them, they were polite, wanted to have an education, and then she went over to Slovakia, where they came from, and found out where they came from, and it broke her heart. And that's what people should be doing. They should be learning about Romani people, educating other people about it, and spreading the word. Um, you know, understanding the struggles. Speak to your MP about it if you think Romani people are being persecuted or, or um, you know, not receiving the same treatment in your community. Just be an ally. Be an ally to the Romani and traveller communities, and that's that's all we want. So, yeah, essentially, be a good citizen. If you're a good citizen for other people, be a good citizen for Romani and traveller people as well. You know, unfortunately, we're a bit of a long way, I think, from Romani and traveller people being treated on an equal footing. But I think if we all pull together um, as a society, it can happen a lot quicker. Um, you know converting everyday acts of uh, niceness, as it were, as I call it, becomes activism. If you become an everyday activist, the status quo will change very quickly. So I urge people to become activists, use the proper word, uh, terms to describe Romani people and travellers and, uh, you know, get educated, spread your education and um, let's make this all a better world to live in. If you are interested or concerned by any of the issues raised during this podcast, then please get in touch at contact at earthrights.co.uk or visit our website www.earthrights.co.uk. You can find full recordings of all of the episodes on most podcast platforms or on the Earthrights website, referenced in the show notes. We host a blog on there too, as well as recommendations and other information. Please also join in on the journey by following our Twitter and Instagram accounts at earthrights underscore. If you would like to be involved in an episode of the Earthrights podcast, then please also get in touch. This Earthrights podcast was hosted, produced and edited by us. Music and sounds were specially made for Earthrights by the Mowgli Wild Boys, who are currently recording a new LP at Circuit Studios in Nottingham. Please follow their Instagram and Facebook at Mowgli Wild Boys.